Hello and welcome to ILTV's Israel Daily. I'm Aaron Porras and before we begin, I want to again remind you about our all-new streaming platform, ILTV Plus. Head to ILTV.tv or to your mobile app store and register today to see all of our full newscasts, morning briefings with Hannah Rifkin and tons of new and exclusive content, all commercial free. Full episodes of ILTV content will no longer be made available on YouTube and on social media. Now, coming up in today's newscast, a new Israeli ally, Sudan, imploding under a military coup. The tragic story of Eitan Biran potentially seeing its end. And Miss Israel finally crowned ahead of this year's Miss Universe competition scheduled to be held in Eilat. peaceful demonstrations descending into chaos on Monday as Sudan fell victim to yet another military coup. <laughs> Sunni's General Abdel Fattah Burhan placing the Prime Minister and other top officials into detention and announcing that the ruling transitional government will be dissolved from top to bottom. Pro and anti-government activists meantime taking to the streets with several interactions quickly turning deadly. This is the military announces a state of emergency. <laughs> Joining me with more, former Israeli ambassador to Egypt and South Sudan and former director of the political planning division within the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ambassador Chaim Cohen. Now, thank you so much for joining us, Ambassador. This coup coming just two years after autocratic President Omar al-Bashir was ousted by the army and a transitional military civilian power share sharing deal was reached. You know, what... What were the army's primary grievances then versus now? The army, uh, the military uh, in Sudan is actually heading the government from the very beginning, from 2019, and uh, intend to promote Sudan to a better future. Now, that meant uh, uh, moving ahead basically towards economy progress and bringing the civilian faction headed by Abdullah Hamdouk uh, to uh, improve the economy and also to change the political system to work for uh, a better uh, a human rights system uh, within Sudan. And that was uh, accepted by both sides and they started to work with each other uh, relatively up till now, in spite of all difficulties and disagreements, uh, uh, relatively fine. Uh, and now, uh, in, this, uh, 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 in this situation, when the army is uh, 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 felt or is feeling that the demonstrating supporting the civilian um, uh, uh, anger against the military rule 
demonstrating uh, they were brought uh, to uh, a fear uh, of the military rule that they might they will be a new cap d'etat and destroy whatever they succeeded to build with support of the us and the west and therefore they decided to take measures and some steps against the demonstrators and change the governmental system. So General Burhan is, ca is calling for cooperation though, and at least until general elections can be held, he says, in July 2023. Uh, do you think that he actually intends to hand power back to the people as they request, or is it gonna be some sort of uh, military governance or mixture as, as we have, as we had until this coup? the mixture is supposed to be till they come to a kind of a process that will bring to more open political system that was it that was the case and at the beginning they showed about 2022 to uh, uh to consist a new parliament and then elections and new government later right. on it was delayed to 2024 now they talk about 2023 in one condition that they will promote the goals of Sudan and succeeded to uh, move ahead. At the moment, it seems uh, that it's not the case right now, although I wouldn't say that that is a final, uh, a final step and they wouldn't succeed to rebridge the gap uh, that we see now and coming back to a common coalition uh, at the same way they used to do it up till now. Ambassador Cohen, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, in a shocking revelation, Turkish media now publishing photos of the 15 alleged Israeli spies arrested across the country earlier this month. Given initials for code names to protect their identities from the public, the Turkish Sabah Daily now revealing photos of the 15 men arrested October 7 by Turkish authorities, the lot of them accused of spying for the Israeli Mossad intelligence agency and their arrest, apparently at the hands of some 200 Turkish intelligence officers at the National Intelligence Organization, or MIT. But according to the report, the suspects, said to be of Arab descent, had been split into five cells of three people each. They ranged in age and nationality, they were placed all across the country, and they entered Turkey at different times. They also held various positions. Allegedly, one wired money through Western unions. Another received funding for meetings at the Israeli consulate and met with Mossad officers abroad, and others collected information. And their apparent targets, Palestinian organizations, individuals of interest, and their affiliates operating on Turkish soil. For example, Palestinian and Syrian students in university who'd received defense industry training. This as recent reports claiming that Palestinian terror group Hamas, for one, has been secretly operating in Turkey right under authorities' noses, conducting cyber attacks and counterintelligence missions against Israel. Assuming the reports are true, however, it's unclear how many of the suspects actually knew that they were working for the Mossad or when they figured it out, as the alleged handlers often used aliases and claimed to represent various entities. Additionally, while the Turkish authorities are yet to officially discuss the arrests, Israel is completely rejecting the report, saying none of those arrested worked for Mossad. Likewise, former deputy director of the Mossad, Knesset member Ram ben Barak, suggesting that Turkey is just trying to flex its muscles and show off its quote-unquote achievements, which occasionally will result in publishing fake information. Speaking with Israeli Channel 12 News, ben Barak saying, quote, none of the published names were of Israeli spies, and therefore, the reports should be put in proportion. Moving on, the tragic story of Eitan Biran, orphaned in Italy and then kidnapped to Israel, now coming closer to the finish.
The court in Israel on Monday ruling to return the boy to his Italian family. Uh, we are very happy. We think that the real winner of this decision is Eitan. We think that Eitan must be back as soon as possible to his school, to his friends, to his uh, grandparents who are waiting uh, for, for him in Italy. A Tel Aviv court on Monday ending a devastating chapter in the ongoing saga of Eitan Biran. The six-year-old Biran tragically orphaned in May as the sole survivor of an Italian cable car crash that killed 14 people, including Biran's parents, great-grandparents, and baby brother. Then to further raise concerns over Biran's well-being, his maternal grandfather, Shmulik Peleg, smuggling Eitan back to Israel on a private jet in September. The act launching a kidnapping probe in Italy and an international custody battle between the Pelegs and Biran's paternal aunt Aya, who lives in Italy. The court in Israel now ruling, though, in favor of Aya Biran, ordering that Eitan be returned to her custody in Pavia, Italy, as soon as possible, and many considering this to be the natural choice, given that Eitan had been living in Italy since he was only one month old, and how close Aya, her husband, and two daughters lived to their late family. Eitan and his cousins already even go to the same schools. Still, Eitan's maternal grandparents, the Pelegs, arguing that, in fact, Biran's late parents intended to raise their children in Israel, and they insist that Eitan's own wishes are not being heard. They're widely expected to appeal the decision. Additionally, Eitan's custody case still ongoing back in Italy, but the Biran's lawyer confident that an amicable solution can be found, allowing Eitan to live in Italy while still maintaining all of his family ties. In other news, orders to evacuate the Tel Aviv Central bus station may get an advance of two whole years. The original plan was to empty the massive structure by 2023, but the municipality, as well as fire and rescue authorities, are now arguing that if safety concerns, among other issues, are not soon addressed, they may actually begin closures as soon as December 5, little over a month from today. With me to discuss is Dr. Alex Komen, value creation expert with the Academic College of Tel Aviv Jaffa. Thanks so much for being with us. Now, authorities say that the building Hello. refused to update to get licensing to build accessibility ramps and to safely discard of allegedly flammable materials. Uh, the private store owners, meantime, argue that they're the victim of deliberate neglect by the city itself and by the station's parent company in hopes of forcing store owners to sell on the cheap. Do you think that the store owners' ar arguments hold water? Absolutely. I think that that's a tragic situation. You see, you're talking about two... Uh entities here. One entity is a huge, powerful uh, construction company that built this, uh, this uh, white elephant, this uh, bus station. And on the other hand, you have people who bought the store in order to sell toys, clothes, food, what have you. Um, the place was managed for a while until it, it was realized that it was a white elephant, that people would not stop and eat there. And actually, it became a very uh, poor structure. And then the, the, the idea came to demolish it and replace it by, by uh, buildings, which would be very profitable to the uh, owners of the structure. Now the question is how much of that profitability is going to go to the, to the constructor and how much is going to go to compensate the owners of the stores. 
So by neglecting the building, and the building became really a, a terrible location. It was smelly, filthy, a place you would not want to have your cat grow in. Uh, as a result, of course, uh, store owners were, were, um, were completely devastated. They did not get any money. And now, by neglecting the building and by, by promoting the situation that the building is not safe, they are talking about demolishing it. So hoping that the small store owners would basically lose the place. Right. They would not be able to rebuild it, obviously. And as a result, they would, they would, comp they would be compensated with a small change. So, all right, in addition to, to the grievances of the, of the store owners, and of course we hope that they get some sort of uh, uh, restitution in, in this situation, if they are truly uh, victimized by this situation, Many lower-income Israelis also still shop at these stores in the station. Uh, what effects might this closure have on, on the surrounding economy of South Tel Aviv? Well, uh, the, the area is actually uh, was populated particularly by uh, foreign employees, people from the Philippines and Africa working around Tel Aviv because the place was so neglected. You know, the station was built straight in the faces of, of surrounding buildings. So it was really um, a bad, bad neighborhood. And as a result, uh, you have a large population living there, shopping inside the building. The building actually had restaurants with Filipino and Far Eastern foods, etc. So I believe that it will be, uh, it will be completely uh, painful for them to lose the areas where they were shop used to, to do their shopping. And also, it was a central bus station, so they could actually uh, get on buses to Jerusalem. Many of them want to go to Jerusalem, the holy city, or to go uh, to, their, to their jobs, whether they are outside of Tel Aviv. And, there's, and, and, there's no, and, and we have no uh, idea where the buses are going to be rerouted to yet, because obviously that Exactly. Was... So it's an enigma. Absolutely. Wow. All right. So Absolutely. we have... Major problems with, uh, and we've yet to hear solutions for them. Uh, Dr. Komen, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you join us again for thank some you. updates. Now, before we continue with our main newscast, I want to remind our viewers to head over to ILTV.TV and sign up for our brand new streaming service, ILTV Plus. With ILTV Plus, you'll get new and exclusive content from Israel that you won't want to miss. In fact, here's a taste to whet your appetite. ILTV joining Chef Lara in her home in Mitzpe Ramon for a mouth-watering episode of Yala, Let's Eat. This dish is a combination of an Asian wonton dough and labane cream cheese. Each sheet of wonton is going to be filled with the labane schug filling. Schug is a herb paste, spicy. It has cumin inside. It's the Mediterranean pesto. And I'm going to use some water to make them stick together. And now I'm gonna cook those in boiling water like you cook pasta. Now I'm gonna season the beets. Goes into the outdoor oven for a good crisp. Now that's just one of the several delicious recipes Chef Lara shares and of course there's much, much more where that came from, in addition to other amazing content, all available now on ILTV+. Plus. Right, shifting now to a more glamorous topic, 
The Miss Universe 2022 competition set to be held this December in Israel's southern city of Eilat, and Israel's choice to compete this year finally announced. ITV's Hannah Rifkin with all the details. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us. Now, who is the new Miss Israel, and, and what has she done to earn this spot? Happy to be here, Erin, as always. So her name's Noah Kochba. She's 22 years old. She served as a medics course commander in the IDF. She has dreams of becoming a pediatrician and developing an interior design startup with her dad. She's currently actually doing that right now. Wow. All right. So, uh, in, and, and obviously, I'm, I'm assuming she was very excited to get this <laughs> nomination. Uh, but I understand that actually South African officials and activists are calling for a boycott of this year's competition? Yeah, but it sounds like she will compete. Um, Miss South Africa organizers have officially responded, distancing themselves from the sensitive situation. And a representative from the organization has said that the Miss, quote, the Miss South Africa organization is not getting involved in a political war of words and has no further comment to make. Still, though, I heard that, uh, that the South African winner, Lalela Miswana, I believe, is, is getting personally pressured as well not to come to the competition. Is that correct? Yeah, and actually, Missy Rock, who in the past has received a lot of flack um, as well for taking pictures with the Miss Israel, um, had something to say about it. She really felt very strongly. All I can say is, how dare you? How dare you as a man try to tell an organization for women and women empowerment what to do? This is an opportunity that millions of women dream of having to go on world stage and represent their people, their nation, their culture, not governments, not politics, and definitely not your political agenda. Wow, all right. So that's strong words coming from Miss Iraq, which uh, you know we know that she's come out strongly in support of Israel, or at least in support of making your own judgments. Did she have like a personal message for uh, Lalela Miswani? Yeah, she said that she hopes that she comes to see for herself and make her own decision. All right. Well, I guess with that, we hope that she that she follows through with that and doesn't kind of give in to the pressures of international BDS. Uh, again, the competition is this December in Eilat. So uh, we hope everybody comes and sees it. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Happy to be here. All right. Now for our final story tonight. For the past few months, we've been showing you short videos from our friends in Ulpan O. But We've never actually had the privilege of showing you a success story through their program, and that changes now. Joining us in studio is Yoel Gano, CEO and co-founder of Ulpanor, and via Zoom, Dr. Jeffrey Kopin, who works as a CMO in Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest Hospital. Thank you so much for being with us. Now, Dr. Kopin, I'll start with you, actually. You know, what caused you to start studying Hebrew, and, and you know, what got you so intrigued? Well, something I always wanted to do. Um, I have some Hebrew going back to when I was a kid. I went to Hebrew school like so many North American Jews have done. I grew up at Camp Ramah, um, so I learned Hebrew there. But over the last decade, after my wife and I acquired an apartment in Jerusalem, learning Hebrew became a real priority for me. Um, wanted to be able to speak directly with Israelis, watch Israeli television, read Hebrew newspapers, read novels really understand from the inside what's going on in Israel. And Ulpan Or gave me that opportunity. So Yoel, I'll turn to you then. You know, how was, how was the learning process, you know, especially from a teacher's perspective? Okay, actually, Orly and I, we met Jeff in Chicago a couple of years ago. 
and he already was at an advanced level at that time. Mm. However, we noticed that his speech wasn't so structured, and he didn't really know the insights of Israel. So we told him, why don't you study Hebrew with us to be able to understand news, media in Israel, Israeli jokes, you know? And Jeff did that. So now his, one of his favorite expressions is, totally, truly Israeli one, hiebeseder, which That's means it will be okay, it will be I'll all be right. Good. So he understands now TV, media, he listens to Effie Trigger's you know, radio program in the morning. Wow. So Jeff is almost Israeli now. So, so you know, Dr. Kopin, how did you succeed in, in keeping up with your studies, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, how did you find time in your busy schedule to do this? Yeah, you know, Aaron, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's actually the opposite. Um, during the, the darkest, deepest days of the pandemic back in you know, March through June of 2020, I found looking forward to my Ulpan Shurim um, with Coral, my teacher, was something that kept me going during the week. It was spiritually nourishing, literally, and doing my homework, preparing for our classes was, was just wonderful. I was putting in 14, 15, 16 hour days like I was, like I'm a mitmache in Israel. That's what it felt like, even well, though I'm a, well, I'm so a senior you, physician. So you're satisfied <laughs> with the results, I take it? Uh, very much, very much. Like you know, Yoel said, I'm fully capable now of listening to the radio, reading the newspaper. I can read novels and it's, um, it's been a, you know, a challenge, but a great accomplishment. And now my wife, Beth, is also participating in Ulpan Or and watching her Hebrew develop like it is, is fantastic. We actually find ourselves speaking Hebrew to each other in our home here in the Chicago area. All right, so, so again, as someone who went through this frontal and online uh, experience of learning and, and for teaching Hebrew for that matter, you know, how, how was the experience overall? Well, you know, we oh, are for so me, happy I, whenever any of our students can come to Israel and study with us face to face and experience the rich life of Israel here in person, going to the market, buying stuff, communicating with Israelis, with the natives in Hebrew, and Jeffrey fully, he's fully capable of doing that, and it's total joy to meet someone doing that in Israel. Dr. Koppen? Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I, I agree with you all, it really is a total joy. The one thing I have to say though, obviously about the pandemic, we haven't been able to go back to Israel now. It'll be two years in February. Wow. Thankfully with the technology that we have with Zoom, I'm able to continue my studies. Um, I can continue to participate as much as possible in what's going on in Israel. Um, so I'm looking forward, God willing, we'll be back in January. Um, Yoel, I hope we get to see you in Orly. And, uh, you know, to just to be able to sit together and be together um, back home in Jerusalem. All right. Thank you both so much, uh, Dr. Kopin, and Yoel Ganol. Thank you. So Thank you, Chef, for being with us today. My pleasure. All right. Now let's take a look at the weather forecast with Hannah Rifkin. Continuing, although temperatures staying as they are mostly, meteorologists expecting this evening's lows to range between 13 to 19 degrees Celsius, and then tomorrow, highs varying in the mid-20s. Now back to the studio with Aaron. 
All right, now before we go, let's take a look at what's going viral here in Israel. Oh yeah, this video is everywhere. This is the unofficial chief rabbi of Saudi Arabia and a Saudi local dancing in the street. It's uh, awesome how the diplomatic relations are, are kind of progressing uh, on, on the people's terms. All right, anyway, that is it for today's news. But for more on the latest updates from Israel, make sure to head to ILTV.TV, subscribe to our newsletter, and sign up with our new streaming platform, ILTV+. Plus. We will no longer be showing full episodes on YouTube or on social media. Instead, on ILTV+, Plus, you can still get all of your favorite ILTV programs, exclusive content, and much, much more available on all devices, all app stores, and on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. I'm Aaron Forrest. Be well, and thank you so much for watching. Yeah.